and welcome to another edition of the Tobacco Control Podcast. I'm speaking today with Jennifer Brown and Joanna Cohen, who are authors on a paper called Tobacco Industry Response to Menthol Cigarette Bans in Alberta and Nova Scotia, Canada. And I think this is a really important issue as menthol bans are sort of in their infancy. We haven't had many jurisdictions take this leap yet. So there's important lessons to be learned from areas that have implemented these bans. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Why don't we start with why a menthol ban? Why why would countries want to do this? Why did this happen? Um, So in 2010, um, Canada implemented a ban on flavored cigarettes, but this exempted menthol cigarettes. Um, And menthol cigarettes, they have um, properties that mask the harshness of smoking. Um, They also um, increase the progression of smoking and um, decrease the likelihood of quitting smoking. They're very popular with first-time smokers, and they're heavily marketed by the tobacco industry to certain populations, such as women, um, youth, and minorities. And they're also smoked at higher rates by these populations. And even though in Canada, menthol cigarettes, they only make up about 5% of the market share, um, almost a third of youth smokers use menthol cigarettes. So this was an extension of the ban on flavored cigarettes in the two provinces that we looked at, um, Nova Scotia and Alberta. Um, In Nova Scotia, the ban was implemented in May 2015, and at that time they became the first jurisdiction in the world to implement a ban on menthol cigarettes, and a ban was implemented in September 2015 in Alberta. Fantastic. So obviously this is a menthol ban is hoping to capture those experimental first-time smokers who you know, if they smoked a regular cigarette, may may anticipate that it's just too harsh and maybe they won't go down the path to addiction. You can see how why this would be so important. Okay, so what did your study set out to do? So our goal was to examine the tobacco industry response to the menthol ban in the two provinces of Nova Scotia and Alberta. Um, we collected data from two major cities in Alberta, pre-ban and also post-ban, and in Nova Scotia, post-menthol ban. As these jurisdictions were the first in the world to implement a ban on menthol cigarettes, um, we thought that the data on the tobacco industry response to such bans was needed in order to um, contribute to the formulation of effective policies in other jurisdictions around the world, as many are considering bans on menthol cigarettes. So what, what was your method for assessing the tobacco industry response? Joanna, do you want to talk about the method? Sure. Well, what we did in each city was to identify schools uh, because we know that, as Jenny had said, that menthol smoking is, is higher among young people. So we identified schools in each city and then went around and found a retailer close to the school. We tried to find convenience stores, gas stations, um, sometimes grocery stores if, if they did sell, uh, and tried to get a range of retailers. And within each retailer, we purchased uh, one of each each unique menthol pack that they had. This was pre-ban. And when we went back in Alberta post-ban and in Nova Scotia, we were only there after the ban, uh, we asked the retailers for any uh, cigarettes that 
were like menthol or that they're now selling to menthol smokers. We try to get at, try to see whether there might be anything um, new that the tobacco companies had had produced and, and were for sale. And that's, that seemed to work. And we also, you know, asked the retailer, someone came and asked for a menthol cigarette, what would you, you know, what would you sell? So we purchased the packs, um, brought them back to our offices and coded them using a, a specific code book uh, and then analyzed the data and, and wrote the report. So we did need funds to purchase the cigarettes and, and maybe I'll just take this opportunity to acknowledge the funder of this work, which was um, a Lippitz Health Policy Faculty Award at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. So we're really appreciative of, of those funds uh, to do that work. Cigarettes are expensive in Canada. You would absolutely need a grant to do that, <laughs> purchasing all the packs that you did. Yeah, and Becky, I'll just add too, it, it did get a little bit complicated in Canada because as you know, there are tobacco display bans. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so this type of work is more complicated because you can't see um, the cigarettes that are for sale. They're either um, behind cabinets or under the counter. So these provinces, as, as do most provinces in Canada, have a total display ban for cigarettes. So we had to rely, we had to just ask a number of questions and and we did also try to ask retailers uh, if they could just show us the cigarettes that they had so we could take a look. And I think in in some cases they did that. And maybe, Jenny, did you want to add more? Sure. So in some stores, the retailers, they also showed us business-to-business marketing materials given to them by um, Philip Morris International. And these materials were also helpful to us and we feature the pictures of them in our article. So the materials themselves um, feature pictures of the new packs and what they're calling non-menthol alternatives. That's so interesting and I think that's really real world how a smoker would go about it too, wouldn't they? They would come in and ask for their usual menthol brand and the retailer would be like, oh, we can't sell those anymore, but here's the alternative. So I think that's an absolutely you know legitimate way to go about that. So what what did you find? What happened to the packs? What were the differences? So post-ban, um, we found that tobacco manufacturers were complying with um, the letter of the law, just meaning that we didn't find any packs that were explicitly labeled as menthol in either province, Nova Scotia or Alberta post-ban. Um, however, we did purchase and find um, menthol-like packs, meaning packs that largely maintain the same color and the same design as the menthol packs that we found on the market before the ban. So, for example, these packs, they all displayed green as a prominent color, as did the menthol cigarette packs sold before the ban. And um, really the only change in design was the replacement of the word menthol with the word green. And in addition, um, most of the menthol replacement packs, they were also wrapped in um, cellophane with um, the phrase new on it and then um, the phrase smooth taste redesigned without menthol. Okay, so smooth and green essentially replace menthol. And I'm just looking at the um, business-to-business marketing here, and it says green is here, new smooth taste redesigned without menthol. So sort of implying, look, these cigarettes are just the same, they just don't have the menthol in them, sort of reassuring smokers, I imagine. Yes. 
And I should note that we only found the menthol replacement packs in Alberta post-ban. Um, we didn't find any of these green or um, packs that were labeled as um, smooth and new in Nova Scotia. Hmm. Is there higher menthol use in Alberta or not really sure a reason for that? We haven't tested any hypotheses, but we, um, we guess that it might be due to a number of reasons. It could be that... Um, the population in Alberta is larger, um, what the industry anticipated the response would be from the government. And we also thought that Alberta might be a test market for these new products. Um, in Nova Scotia, when we talked to retailers, they also told us that they typically get new products a few months after other provinces in Canada. So this could be another reason, but we don't know anything definitively. Well, that would make sense because Nova Scotia is significantly smaller than Alberta. So um, potentially mm -hmm. you'll see these products rolling out if they if they test well, I suppose. So what can mm -hmm. other jurisdictions learn from this experience? Are there loopholes they need to be aware of in menthol plans? How can we get sort of the maximum benefit from these sorts of policies? Well, maybe I'll jump in. That's a, that's a great question. So I think... Um, We've learned from many areas of tobacco control that, you know, when you squeeze one part of the balloon, the tobacco industry moves to the other and often does comply with the letter of the law, but maybe not the spirit of the law and continues and looks for loopholes to, to market their products. So I think this work just suggests to jurisdictions who are um, considering menthol bans is that the legislation just needs to be written very carefully. Uh, what we don't want to do is repeat the fiasco with light and low tar cigarettes where many countries banned those descriptors, but the companies just switch to colors and other words uh, to try to denote a safer product to smokers. So, um, you know, it gives us a heads up that we just have to be cognizant of that and make sure that our legislation is uh, watertight so that uh, even uh, menthol-like products um, uh, can't be sold and, and that consumers are not tricked again. Absolutely. And I think that's just, it's so challenging when you consider the, the technology and research budgets available to these companies. They can probably formulate a menthol-like derivative and just replace that. And I think you're a point rather than loss stating, you know, menthol specifically, it's additives that make it the product more appealing to youth or whatever. I'm just being a lot more um, inclusive in legislation rather than overly specific. It's, a, it's a, a tricky balance. Thank you so much. Uh, is there any concluding comments you wanted to make or any points you didn't get to share that you want to make sure listeners are aware of? I will say that before the ban, we found menthol cigarettes from 14 different brand families owned by three parent companies. And when we looked at the menthol replacement packs, we did only find four um, packs from four brand families, all owned by Philip Morris International. So that was a distinction that you wanted to point out. So concentration of brands rather than a mm -hmm. brand expansion. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Thanks for mentioning that, Jenny. So it was really just Philip Morris International that was marketing these these new so-called replacement menthol replacement packs or the new smooth taste packs. Uh, we did not see that with the British American Tobacco 
affiliates or the Japan Tobacco International uh, affiliates. That's not to say that that hasn't happened since we did our data collection, but um, I think it was within four weeks of the ban or so when we were uh, post-ban, it was just Philip Morris International that was um, th that was coming out with these with these new green packs. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Really enjoyed that. <laughs>